Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, we're in week number two of our series that is simply entitled Homecoming. Welcome home. Some of you, as Pastor Lucas said, you're back today. And this is a a lesson in the life of Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 together today. But really, this is all about a season of rebuilding. And we all feel that we're in a season of rebuilding. Personally, in your life, in your family, maybe it's your business, maybe it's just back at work, getting reconnected with colleagues. We know about school and all of the, you know, it's rebuilding time. And no different here at the church. It's a time for rebuilding. And so we started this journey with Nehemiah as we began to consider what rebuilding was all about. And when we think about the, the story of Nehemiah, we, last week, we I'll review for just a minute. Last week, we looked at Nehemiah's burden. He, he heard about what was going on in Israel, how the, the wall was torn down, how the gates were burned with fire. And in his own heart, he was crying out to God. He was broken. In fact, the Bible says that he wept and he mourned for many, many days. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But what we see, and I'll just take you back to the message last week, we see that, G, that uh, Nehemiah mourned his losses, and he prayed his prayers. In other words, he sat down and wept, he knelt down to pray, and today we're going to look at how Nehemiah stands up and begins to act. So it gets really exciting. This is a fun week, all of this leading up to the rebuilding, because there's a number of things that have to happen in order for us to be prepared for the rebuild. And um, I don't know if you follow sports, but I've been watching the Toronto Raptors We've been in a rebuilding time with the Toronto Raptors, but hopefully, I have high hopes that the rebuilding is starting to take root. And I really believe that when we think about our church community, I'm looking around, I'm seeing you here, I'm enjoying worship with you, I feel the momentum of rebuilding. I don't know if you feel it yet, but I just want you to know it's happening. It's happening right now. It's happening today. The church is strong and vibrant and alive and now coming back together. So I really think that the kind of guiding question for us today is what does it take? What does it take to move from just having a burden to see things rebuilt to actually doing the rebuilding? What does it take to move from a burden into action? What does it take Nehemiah to move from his burden into action? What does it take us to move from just having a burden to moving into action? Because I think we all agree, we wanna see the church strong. We wanna see the church healthy. We wanna see our lives strong. We wanna see our lives healthy. We want the rebuild, but how does that actually happen? I'm gonna give you three thoughts about that today. The first one is this. The first thing that I see in Nehemiah's story was that he had to come to a place where he had internal courage internal courage. In fact, it takes internal courage in order to start the rebuild. And I want to look at um, the last, very last sentence in the first chapter. We read through the first chapter together last week. We looked at how how Nehemiah was broken over the knowledge of what's going on in in, uh, Israel. And then we saw his prayer lined out for us. And then at the end of his prayer, he says, God, use me Send me, help me in the presence of this man, talking about the king. And then, it, and then it gives us a little bit of a clue of why that was a prayer that he would be praying in this very last sentence of 
chapter one. It says, I was the cupbearer to the king. So this is, this is a very important and significant piece. Nehemiah was not just a guy living in Persia. He was the cupbearer to the king, which meant he was trusted. He was the one who brought the cup of wine to the king after he tasted it to see if it was poisoned. He was the one that chose all the food and all the wine for the royal court. He was the one who was trustworthy with who came in and who came out into the presence of the king. And he also became a trusted advisor over time because he was so present with the king, the king would often say, well, Nehemiah, what do you think? And Nehemiah would then be free to share based on his knowledge of the king. But this trust, this character, this loyalty is going to be tested. The resilience of it is going to be tested as Nehemiah has to now become incredibly courageous in the presence of the king. And this is no small thing. I want to start reading with you in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. And then this next phrase is so key. I had not been sad in his presence before. Now, in other words, Nehemiah allowed the mourning that was going on inside of him, the the prayers that he had prayed, he allowed that to come to the surface in the presence of the king. And the king could actually see that he was sad. Now, this is a big deal because you're not supposed to be sad in the presence of the king. In fact, it was Persian law that simply being in the presence of the king should make you happy. You should always be happy in the presence of the king. And so Nehemiah allowed himself to be sad in the presence of the king. And that was a recipe for death. (laughs) That's what that was. And so he had never done this before. He's now starting already in this very first verse to show his courage. Let's read on. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, can you sense the courage here? I was afraid, but even in my fear, I had to say something to the king. I, I see the courage here. I see, I see him being ready to take his life in his own hands. And here's what he says. May the king live forever. Good start. And then he goes on. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Nehemiah was incredibly bold in the presence of the king. This has nothing to do with the king's business. This has nothing to do with his, ro- his royal role as the cupbearer. This is basically Nehemiah in the presence of the king being sad and giving the king a problem and saying, what are you going to do about it? And I can just imagine the court, you know, someone's peeling grapes in the corner. Someone's got a fan out. You know, the king's sitting there in his royal robes. The, all the, the, the court, um, you know, the royalty are there. And Nehemiah hands this cup of wine and then, you know, looks sad in the presence of the king, then says these things. And all of a sudden, the court goes silent. There's a gasp. <gasps> what did he just do? What did he just do? He took his life in his own hands. This was a grievous mistake. He is certainly going to be killed. And then the next verse, the king said to me, what is it you want? Now, I'm not trying to overstate, but I certainly don't want to understate what a relief this must have been for Nehemiah. 
He had already stuck his neck out to the king, and the king asks him, what does he want? Now listen, if there was ever a place for us to point and say, this is the proof that prayer works, it would be right here. Because I want to make a special note here. Because at the beginning of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 of Nehemiah, dates are given. And the time between the two dates is four months. And so we have this this tendency to think Nehemiah prayed a prayer and then went and saw the king. Friends, he prayed. He cried out. He, He travailed in intercession before God for four months before he ever acted. And can I just put a caution out there to us? We would have a tendency to pray a little and act a lot. But maybe what God is saying in a rebuild, it's going to require more prayer. It's going to require a greater commitment to being on our face before God. If we want to see what God is willing and able to do, then let's be the people that put the time in on our knees before we ever start to act. Amen? And I just want to invite you to join me. Seven o'clock in the morning. That's my time. I have an appointment with God. I try to keep it. I want to encourage you. Join me if you want. But more importantly, make an appointment with God. Set a time and be there. Start to cry out to God. Start to pray. And let's believe God for something great as we start to rebuild. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, Nehemiah says. This was not a prayer. He didn't say, hold on, uh, king, I just need another four months to pray. No, no, this was a God give me courage kind of prayer. And then he spoke and he says, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. I want to rebuild the city. King, will you send me? Again, nothing to do with the king's business. In fact, he's literally asking if he can be relieved of all of his duties in the court of the king. Can I be relieved from the duties and can I follow my own agenda as I feel burdened by what's gone on in my homeland? King, will you send me? And again, the court would gasp. In other words, it would have been just as easy for the king to relieve Nehemiah of his head as it was for him to relieve him of his duties. And yet, Nehemiah was courageous in the presence of the king. I want you to think about the places in your life that right now need some rebuilding. Maybe it's relational. Maybe there's a place where you need to have a hard conversation. Maybe there's a place where you need to um, have courage from God to trust again. Maybe it's a career thing. Maybe you're right now um, gonna have a job interview coming up or maybe you're a manager and you're rebuilding your, your department and you need courage. Maybe for you it's more about school. We've got a lot of kids in school. Maybe you're a teacher and you've got a difficult student. Maybe you're a student, you've got a difficult teacher. Maybe you're in a space where you've been off of school for a long time and now you're enrolled and there's fears all around. Maybe there's fears of infection for the kids and so on. The truth is, is in a rebuild, there's one thing that's going to always be needed and that's courage. And we're going to consistently be facing our fears. And fear will keep you from moving into action. It really will. It'll keep you paralyzed. It'll keep you stuck. And I just want to say to you that if we intend to rebuild, we're going to have to be courageous. It's the only way that it works. We need internal courage. I wonder if Nehemiah thought back hundreds of years before the time that he was standing there before the king, I wonder if he thought about Joshua 
the great leader who led the children of Israel into the promised land. I wonder if he thought back at the beginning of Joshua's story where God spoke directly to Joshua, words that may be familiar to some of you here today, and he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I wonder if Nehemiah was resonating with Joshua over those words. But here's one thing I know, based on even what we talked about last week, that's a promise that you can grab onto. That's a promise that you can hold. As you say, God, before you, I want to do your will. I want to follow your heart. I want to be a part of the rebuild. Then let there be courage. And may I be aware of the presence of God, that God, you are with me. And I'm going to hold on to that promise. Another thing we need if we're going to move from having just a burden and move into action, is we need to have heavenly favor. Now, I'm not talking about money. Some of you are going, oh yeah, let's, have, let's bring down the coins, right? No, no, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the favor of God. In other words, God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. And that's what I see happening here. In fact, the last verse that we read in, the, in Nehemiah's exchange with the king, he says this, if I have found favor, then send me so that I can go and rebuild. He's basing it on the fact that he has favor. And although the king is the king, God is the king, amen? And he's believing that he has found favor in God's presence, therefore in the presence of this king, and as a result, he believes to be sent and to rebuild. I, I just love this. In fact, verse six says it, so matter of fact, it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. You see, the king did for Nehemiah what Nehemiah could not do for himself. That's favor. That's favor. Favor is getting what you asked for and a little bit more. I, I, just, I want you to stay with me because Nehemiah asks a few things of the king. He, he already asked, you heard it, send me. But he continues to ask, thanks, king. It pleases you to send me, so can I have letters of endorsement? And these letters of endorsement, I need them to the governors of the trans-Euphrates. I need them to the guy who runs the park so I can get lumber. Can I have some letters? He gets the letters. But not only does he get the letters, not only does he get the, the, you know, the king's endorsement and, and the send-off, but he gets an army escort as well. Look at verse 9. So I went to the governors of trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also, everybody, will you say that with me? Also. also. Let's try it again. Also. That's an important word. Come on, hang on to the also for just a minute. Also sent army officers in Cal Calvary with me. Also. Also is the surprise. It's the more than you thought you were going to get. Nehemiah got what he asked for and he got more. He got an armed escort as well. Listen, I believe that our God is the God of the also. Amen? God does more than we think he's going to do. That's the heavenly favor that I'm talking about. And I'm getting excited for the also. And I really believe, you know, God's blessed us. Here we are. We're able to meet. We have the blessing of our government to meet. But I believe that I'm going to trust God with you for the also. There's more. There's more. Let me show you. Let me just tell you a little bit about where the also is already showing up at GT. The also is showing 
showing up in so many beautiful places and there are all these really beautiful faces, new people, new families, new children, new youth, new young adults. God is showing us the also in the people that he is bringing us. So if you're new, if, if, if this is your first time or if you've just come back since COVID or maybe you found us online, we just want to welcome you. Welcome home. This is your family and you belong here. We want you here and we know that God has a plan for you. We've also seen the also in financial strength. God has provided for the church through God's faithful people. In fact, I, I was at a point where I was feeling a little discouraged about how we were going to recover and where we were going to go and I received news that someone had given the very largest gift we had ever received through Kingdom Builders. We received a $100,000 check to say, go and do something in the world around you. You see, the point is, is Kingdom Builders is our above and beyond giving that we use to bless missionaries, to reach out with local outreach, to, to, uh, to train up and release future Christian leaders. And God was just giving us an also right there by saying, go bless the world. And so now I get to say to a missionary, oh, what do you need? Okay. And also, you can have this. You know, what's in your heart? Okay, well, we're going to help you do that also. Amen. Isn't the also of God so good? It's so good. We get to be instruments of it as well. And I'm seeing it with our summer camp. We had no COVID cases and had over 350 students. And kids received Jesus. They, they learned about God's blessing. They practiced his presence. Friends, we're seeing the also of God everywhere everywhere. And I believe the also of God is going to show up in your life. Will you be looking for that? It's going to be a new opportunity. It's going to be an open door. It's going to be faith. It's going to be hope. It's going to be financial blessing. It can come in all different ways. It's the favor of God. It's the heavenly favor. And I just want us to be able to recognize it. And you know, as I was kind of thinking about this, I, I, I remember a verse I read from Hebrews chapter 13. And I just, what I did is I just wrote it in my notes here. And I want to read it over you as a blessing and as like a, a promise to just pray that into your life. Would you receive it as I give it to you today? Here it is. You just Post your heart, say, yes, Lord, I want your blessing. I want your favor. I want the promise of God. And here it is. May the peace of God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive that blessing. Receive that heavenly favor from God. God is up to something. Okay. And so here we go. Moving from a burden into action. What's one more thing we need? Here's what we need. We need partnership with God's people. That's what we need, partnership with God's people. So Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem with his armed escort and his entourage. And he goes out at night and he surveys the land. He goes walking through the rubble. He sees all of the mess. He can't even get through it all. He has to get off his horse and walk around. And then he collects all the people. He brings all the... the um, the, the common folks, all the nobility, all the priests, all the officials. He brings them all together. And here's what he says. It says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
See, this is the first time that we see Nehemiah's leadership rising up. Up to this point, it's all just been the backstory. It's just been the the mourning and the prayer and the courage and the favor. And now, finally, we start to see his leadership here. And he begins to call the people to a difficult task. There's an important point to be made here. This task was made more difficult because of the failures of the past. You see, in in Ezra chapter 4, we read about how they tried to rebuild the wall before and they were stopped by their adversaries. So here comes Nehemiah with his entourage and he says, let's do it. And you can imagine them feeling like, well, I don't know. We've tried this before. It just feels like maybe this would just be another time to have a setback. I don't know if I can endure another setback. And I want you to think about your life. I want you to reflect on your experience through the last two years. Maybe you're wondering if you can endure another setback. I've actually had people say to me, I don't know what I would do if we went back into another lockdown. Listen, I I know what it feels like to be afraid to have hope. (laughs) What it feels like to be afraid to step into something You feel like, I don't know, it's almost better here. And for some of you, you've seen the setbacks. You're feeling concerned about the reopening. You're wondering if it's going to be like Alberta, right? These are real things. These are real concerns. But I want you to know, I'm confident in the Lord. I have a sense in my spirit that God is up to something. And this is the time for us to begin to move. Now... That's sort of me sticking my neck out, like Nehemiah did his. But I want you to know, I have a high sense of confidence in the Lord. We're going to move with the Lord. I've never felt this before. I didn't, I'm not being premature. For all the time that we've been in COVID, I've not said this. You know that. First time you've heard it today. But I have a sense that God has us on a trajectory. I really believe that. And time will tell. But I had a word from God that I, I shared with our staff because I, weeks ago, like maybe a month ago, I started talking about Nehemiah with our staff and about how it's time for us to rebuild. And I, and I, I shared this chapter two with them at one point and then I went home and I went to bed and I, I woke up and the Lord had dropped a word right in my heart. And this is what it was. The stones are all there. You just have to put them back together. And I thought, wow, wow. And it made me reflect on, on this verse from 1 Peter chapter 2. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says that you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Come on, somebody, we can get excited about that because we're a house. God is building. God is taking you and he's taking me and he's bringing us back together. He's rebuilding with us. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And so Nehemiah says to them, oh, come on, let's rebuild. And I imagine some of them are going like, remember Ezra? Remember when our adversaries made us stop? But then he goes on to tell them about the favor of God. Here's what it says in verse 18. I also, here it is again, there's the also. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. He gave them a testimony. God is up to something. Let me tell you about the also of God. And then they replied, let us start rebuilding. 
So they began this good work. I feel encouraged today. I just believe that God is up to something. It's time for us to start this good work again. And so for some of us, the battle is that internal courage, the courage to believe, to fight through the fear, to, to move through the, the insecurity or the setbacks, if you will, into a place where we're gonna rise up in faith and believe that God really is doing something. For others of us, you know, we, we have gotten so comfortable in the rubble Think about that. You can build yourself a nice little pathway from your house through the rubble and into the city. And we've figured out how to live with masks and distancing and all those things. We've figured out a pathway through the rubble and I'm grateful for it because we all need some sort of normal. But friends, don't get too comfortable in the rubble because God wants to build something. God wants to put some pieces back together. I know it might feel like, I don't know, I'm fine the way I am, but listen, you have no idea what God wants to do. You have no idea what God wants to rebuild in your life and in your church. And we just have to really believe, God, show us where the favor from heaven is already present and let us believe that it's not your will that we live in the rubble. That's not God's plan for your life. God wants you to rise up and he wants to do something amazing with you. And the truth is we can only do it together. They're living stones that are built together. So can we do it together? Will you join me? Can we rebuild together? Can we serve together? Can we build together? Maybe you've been waiting to get back involved. Can I just encourage you? It's time, it's time. Let's get back on team. Let's serve again. Man, maybe you've been waiting to get back into a small group. It's time. It's time. Do it now. It's time for us to re-engage. It's long enough that we've been sitting and waiting in the rubble. Let's rebuild. Pray with me, hey? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible love for us. Thank you for the way you speak into our hearts and use your word. And Jesus, we're looking at an Old Testament story, but I just know that you're, you're creating a picture for us, a picture of your love and grace. Lord Jesus, you demonstrated such courage for us when you gave your life for us on the cross. And Lord, I just believe that there are people here that right now are stepping in with courage to a relationship with you, Jesus. They're saying, I will be courageous. I know I can't build anything until I build my life on Jesus. So if you're here today and you're listening, you're hearing my voice and you're saying, I want Jesus, I want you to know that you just reach out to him. Just cry out to him right now. He's listening. You offer him your life and he will receive you. You have courage and faith to believe for God to come and to be your savior. He will do that today. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the gentle push in each of our lives, not to move beyond our comfort levels, but to ask ourselves if our comfort levels are where you want them to be. Lord, would you lead us? Lead your church. Let us be the people who come together and build your house once again. Lord, what a privilege it is. What a unique space this is for us to be on the cusp of a rebuild. 
Lord, we get to be a part of the joy. We get to be a part of the celebration. We get to be a part of the bright future that you are building for your church and in your kingdom. And so we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Use us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So just, just one thing really practically. Um, it's good to hear a message and to be encouraged, and I really trust that you are. But it's another thing to just take that step. And we really are all about next steps. So we wanna help you. I mean, if you're making a decision for Jesus, we wanna help you. If you're saying, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get unstuck, I'm gonna start moving, I'm ready to clear out the rubble, I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to get back on team, I'm ready to get on team for the first time, then you can go back and talk to, to our friends at the next steps table. But you can also just pick up your phone or jump on your computer, go to our website, and click on next steps and you'll see it all right there. It's all there for you. Let's take the step so that we can move forward together. Thank you so much. I love you, church.